Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is February the 21st, 2020. Bunch of twos in there. Tomorrow, it really will be a a day of twos, I guess. Uh, I thank you for joining me. Uh, It's always great to be able to catch up with you at the end of a week, and this has been one hell of a week. Uh, For those of you who are familiar with my program, you know that I'm a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, an agency that was sliced, diced, uh, spindled, mutilated, uh, and twisted into a pretzel when they created what became known as the Department of Homeland Security, DHS. Uh, ICE uh, took over the responsibilities of the old INS, or at least part of it, but also blended in a bunch of non-relevant agencies uh, in a way that, in my judgment, undermined immigration law enforcement, undermined border security. And this was done by the administration of George W. Bush. Uh, Immigration is not a left-right issue, folks. It's a right-wrong issue, and there's no shortage of globalists to be found in both political parties. I've testified before numerous congressional hearings. And one of my heroes in Congress was a Republican by the name of John Hostetler, who had chaired the Immigration Subcommittee. Uh, He was a conservative politician, conservative congressman from Indiana. And, in fact, I campaigned for him. And truth be known, I'm a registered, lifelong registered Democrat. But there are some issues that are just so important that you have to understand where the priorities need to be and i would argue that the biggest challenge that confronts america and americans today without any equivocation without any qualification is immigration now you may wonder about that if you're not familiar with my program if you don't really know much about immigration you may find that hard to believe because it used to rank at the bottom of the polls because the polls were done deceptively there's an agenda in play not only to supposedly reflect the will of the American people, but to modify the will of the American people. Immigration impacts virtually every challenge and threat, whether it's national, whether it's uh, national security, whether it's terrorism, the war on drugs, human trafficking, uh, jobs, wages, education, health care, the environment. All are getting slammed when you can't control who is coming into the United States. And that's not a statement of xenophobia. I enforced the immigration laws and administered the immigration laws for 30 years. I was an inspector at Kennedy Airport for four years. I spent a year as an adjudications officer doing the marriage interviews you've seen in the movies. And I spent 26 years as a special agent out on the street enforcing our immigration laws. And for half of the time, or over half the time, I was working with the Drug Task Force, DEA Intelligence. I've arrested and investigated terrorists from around the world, whether we're talking about the Middle East or Ireland. Um, Immigration laws are blind about race, religion, ethnicity. Go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, if you have any doubts about it, because that section of law enumerates who we are supposed to keep out of the country, which foreign nationals, that is to say aliens. And it's remarkable that today the term alien revs people's motors in some quarters. It's been described as hate speech, uh, on par perhaps with the N-word. But what you may not know is that the acronym for DREAM Act, uh, which was a fraud that was attempted by the Congress, and I testified before a bunch of hearings about the DREAM Act, uh, the DREAM Act was actually an acronym for Development Relief and Education for Alien Minors, Alien Minors. 
So the word alien became acceptable when it pushed the narrative. And the reason that I was such a big supporter of John Hostetler to the point where I would campaign for him, because I don't do that sort of thing lightly, is that because he had the moral courage to take on the Bush administration over the way that DHS was put together after the terror attacks of 9-11. And he made it crystal clear that the way that immigration was dealt with, cutting it into multiple components, uh, citizenship and immigration services should have been spun off the service side. I, I recommended that during meetings I had with members of Congress. And I had those meetings not as an agent, but as a civilian who had insight because of my professional background. I rotated through every squad within the investigations branch. Uh, I worked with Al D'Amato to create the aggravated felon reentry law that makes unlawful reentry by criminal aliens a 20-year felony. That is now the most frequently prosecuted felony for the entire Justice Department. Last year, over 25,000 aliens were prosecuted for reentry after deportation. If we remove somebody because they're criminals, we need them to stay out of the country. And yet, incredibly, by the way, you have at least 43 Democrats proposing a bill called the New Way Forward Act, which would make it all but impossible to deport criminal aliens. This bill will get people killed. This bill will get people injured, and most often, by the way, within the ethnic immigrant communities. We'll get to that momentarily. But to go back to John Hostetler, he had the courage to go before this hearing when I, I testified. This was May 5th, 2005 and said that the way they put immigration together, the way they dealt with it, splitting up customs and border protection from ICE, which never should have happened, never, that went exactly in the opposite direction from where we needed to be. And by the way, violated the Homeland Security Act, which is the enabling legislation that created DHS in the first place. I came to call DHS the Department of Homeland Surrender. But Hostetler was clear about it. And remember, he's a Republican. The president in the Oval Office was a Republican. And every time George W. Bush did something that upset uh, John Hostetler as chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, I'm sorry, as the uh, chairman of the subcommittee, and even Jim Sensenbrenner, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, another courageous leader, would call upon me to go before Congress to provide a counterpoint to the proposals of the Republican president. That takes moral fortitude and courage. You don't see much of that on display today, do you? So I came to call DHS, as I just said, the Department of Homeland Surrender, <clears throat> because what angered me was that in the wake of the terror attacks of 9-11, and we've had other attacks, and the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, was crystal clear. First and foremost, it was multiple failures of the immigration system. No other system, the immigration system that enabled terrorists to enter the United States embed themselves, hide in plain sight, and go about their deadly preparations. If the immigration system had not failed, 9-11 could not have happened. And I lived through 9-11. Those ashes landed on my house. My neighbors died. I've not been the same since. That's why I do this program. That's why I've been traveling around this country, uh, working as best I can to wake up our fellow Americans, to understand that people that say, let's secure the borders, aren't being xenophobes. They're being prudent. You know, if you drive through a rough neighborhood, and we have plenty of those, no shortage, and crime seems to be going up. New York is going back to the bad old days with this idiotic mayor and imbecile governor that we have. I was a huge fan of Mario Cuomo. I thought he was a great governor. Uh, but unfortunately, the apple has fallen far from the tree, in my judgment. Mario Cuomo would probably be spinning in his grave if he heard the things coming out of his son's mouth. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me that Governor Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, has come to refer to immigration agents as thugs, and he's blocking ICE agents from having access to motor vehicle records. But meanwhile, where domestic terrorists are concerned, uh, he's spending $350,000 to buy more license plate readers for communities where there's a large population of Jews who've been attacked recently, uh, and anti-Semitism worries me greatly. Uh, again, I'm Jewish. I was named for my grandmother, who was slaughtered in Poland because of our religion. My mother was able to escape from Poland, lived by herself for a while at the age of 13, by herself in a rooming house, and supported herself uh, by working in a sweatshop, an umbrella factory, where she made $3 a week. Anti-Semitism disturbs me greatly. Any kind of bigotry or hatred disturbs me greatly. It's inhumane. It's immoral. It's outrageous. Anybody 
who can dislike another human being because of those things that we have no control over and the things that are the most superficial in my judgment, race, religion, ethnicity. <clears throat> we don't have a vote in when, where or when we are born or if we're born at all. Uh, we, we are born. Like it or not, here we are. We have no um, control over whether we're born as men or women, black or white, Latino. We have no control over where in the world we are born. We are thrust into this world, uh, appropriately enough, crying for the most part. Uh, life is not generally an easy proposition. Most people will relate to that. Uh, so, so the point is I've, I've raised my children to believe that they can dislike anybody they want, but it has to be because of who that person is as an individual. If somebody steals from you, they certainly aren't people you want as a friend. If they lie, if they create problems. But don't ever tell me, and I told this to my kids, that somebody's of the wrong faith, the wrong color, the wrong whatever. No, that's wrong. That's bigotry. And when you look at the news organizations talking about Latino voters, Latino Americans treating them as though they're separate and apart from all other Americans is blatant racism. It's blatant profiling. And anybody who buys into it is an imbecile and a bigot. Americans are Americans are Americans. E pluribus unum out of many one. But we've become a country of self-hating Americans, most frequently demonstrated by the very same people that we seek to elect to political office. Our immigration laws were designed to protect America and Americans from aliens whose presence in the country would be dangerous. Go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, and it enumerates the categories of aliens to be excluded from the United States. It starts out with aliens who have, uh, who have a dangerous communicable disease. Think what's going on with the coronavirus. And nobody's arguing about keeping people with the virus out. Cory Booker in New Jersey and, and Menendez, the senator from Jersey, what is he saying? Oh, no, no, if, they, if people come in at Newark Airport, they better be screened. We want, don't want people with the virus coming in. Well, how about people who are fugitives from justice? How about people who are terrorists? How about people who are members of gangs? Or people that would take the jobs of Americans. The Labor Department used to run immigration before the Second World War when it was recognized that our borders were nothing less than a matter of national security. That's when it was moved to the Justice Department. So now suddenly we're told, well, if you want to be careful that we don't let in people from other countries, you're a xenophobe, a racist, a nativist. Well, if you want to call me a nativist, I stand guilty. Because my understanding of nativist is somebody who looks out for the people who are in the country. <clears throat> well, that includes everybody from every race, every religion, every ethnicity, because the United States is the most diverse country probably on the planet. Why would we not want to protect our own children? There's a fascination and great concern about children from other countries, but why does nobody give a rat's tail about how many millions of American children live in poverty? That a half million American children tonight, as you're listening to me, are living in foster care. Imagine that nightmare. We see actors and actresses race to some country where you can't even pronounce the name of the country, God forbid spell the name of the country, to adopt a child. Well, that's all well and good to adopt children, children or children. They didn't ask to be born or be born where they were born and so forth. But why do you need to go around the world to adopt a child when there are so many children living in America who are desperate to become part of a family, a forever family? Adoption isn't a fashion statement. And it disgusts me and angers me and infuriates me and frankly pisses me off that we have lots of wealthy Americans who don't give a damn about American children who live in poverty would like to make some kind of a political social statement by going around the world to try to help kids. We should help people everywhere and anywhere we can, but I do believe that charity begins at home. Why are we not more concerned about American children? Look at the crime in, in the ghettos, the tough neighborhoods, the lack of opportunities, which leads to crime and leads to violence and, 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 and short lifespans and suffering by American children. Are they less worthy than some child born somewhere else in the world? self-hating Americans. We find them everywhere. And we should all be angry about this. We really should. That's not what justice is about. And now we have this mistaken notion that somehow we need criminal justice reform that turns violent criminals back out on the street. Now, look, I've got a lot of, I have a lot of issues with the criminal justice system. We call prisons correctional facilities. Boy, is that an optimistic and ridiculous statement. You look at the recidivism rate, because very often the jails don't address the issues in the first place. 
the, the drug addiction or the fact that many people who commit street crimes are functionally illiterate. What are we doing to improve our educational system? Spending more and more and more money on English as a second language when we're not helping American kids with learning disabilities. If it wasn't for early intervention, my youngest son who has autism, uh, I, I don't know where he would be, but I know where he is today. He's on a business trip. He's a mechanical engineer, and he's doing extremely well. Um, I call him my mountain climber because just years ago, we couldn't imagine, my wife and I, if he would be able to live independently. And now he's able to travel everywhere and anywhere, uh, and he has a marvelous profession, and, and he's the happiest guy in the world, and, and we're the proudest parents in the world. We have four great kids, but our youngest son, because of early intervention, is doing so well. And our second oldest children with learning disabilities, early education, early childhood education, he doesn't have the resources he needs. Where are the resources going? English is a second language. Again, don't you think America should be taking care of American children before we take care of anyone else? And when I say American, that's not code for white, by the way. I live in New York, and as a white man in New York, I, I think I'm actually in the minority right now, and I could care less. It's not about color, folks. But when we say a pledge of allegiance to the flag, we ought to be saying a pledge of allegiance to our fellow Americans. And we ought to understand that there are countries around the world that would like to take us down, countries like China, countries like Iran, countries like Russia. And don't for a heartbeat think that there is freedom in those countries, because there isn't. And if America falters, those three countries are waiting in the wings, licking their chops, because China is hell-bent literally on world domination. Make no mistake about it. We have universities under investigation for taking hundreds of millions of dollars in donations from Russia. Talk about Russian collusion and China and Iran and other countries. Why would these countries be investing in our universities to educate American children? I don't think so. When you look at unrest on college campuses, ask yourself who's funding it, who's inspiring it, who benefits from it. My conservative friends worry greatly about the Second Amendment, and I am a supporter of the Second Amendment. Uh, and we should have that conversation also at some point. The Second Amendment is designed not only to protect the citizens from criminals, but from tyranny. My mother-in-law from my first wife, they, they've both since passed, a terrible tragedy. Uh, but my mother-in-law was in a concentration camp. I said, how did this happen? She said, well, first of all, everyone said it can't get worse. And I said, well, what about when it did start to happen? She said, well, they had guns and we had no guns. Up until the, towards the end of her life, she was a big supporter, gun control, get the guns off the street. I used to show up to date my wife. We were first going out many years ago. <clears throat> and her parents would kind of look sideways at the fact that I was always carrying a firearm because as a federal agent, I had my gun with me. I was supposed to. Plus, I had death threats as an agent routinely. And I would, you know, when I first went there, I showed them my badge and my credentials so they knew who I was. I'm not a drug dealer. I'm not a bank robber. I'm not a fugitive. And, and, but they were always, you know, apprehensive. And towards the end of her life, we had a big conversation, and, I, and we talked about all this. And she said, you know, it doesn't make sense to be against all guns for all people after especially what happened in the Holocaust. It's amazing how some idea takes hold and people have a knee-jerk response automatically. In fact, that is how the Holocaust happened. Hitler was able to vilify the Jews and several other groups of people, and he found enough followers willing to march lockstep with his madness, with his insanity, with his depravity. And the result was that around the world, probably over 60 million people died. 60 million. Think of that number. It's, it, it's an incomprehensible number all because nobody stopped to question what they were being told and what they were being told to do. 60 million. How many more injured? How many families ripped apart? How much destruction visited on our species on this planet? Because a couple of depraved individuals succeeded in persuading enough, I don't know what you want to call them, cowards, sheeple, and we had a catastrophe, a global catastrophe led by just a handful. When people say to me, I'm one person, what difference can I make? My answer to you folks is you can make all the difference in the world if you're willing to step up to the plate, but that's the very big if. If, my father used to say if was the biggest small word in the English language. There's an interesting Yiddish expression that translates, uh, that says, if my grandmother had balls, she would have been my grandfather. If. 
we need to be involved. I hope my program, by providing you with the information that you're not going to get in the mainstream media, will inspire you, will motivate you to take action. This involves the future of our country. It involves the future of our children and our grandchildren and their children. We need to have the courage to stand up and say, no, this isn't about xenophobia. This is about simply not wanting people to come to our country who want to kill us and not about destroying the opportunities for Americans. People ask me how I could be a Democrat. The answer is the Democratic Party that I signed up with when I began voting decades and decades ago, more years ago than I cared to think about, was the Party of Labor. My dad was a construction worker, a tradesman. And when I listened to Mike Bloomberg on that stage, it reinforced my my belief that the real heroes of America aren't the bankers and the clowns like Bloomberg, but hardworking Americans like my father, for whom no job was too dangerous, backbreaking, or filthy. It was a job and that helped him to pay the rent or the mortgage as it was. And I remember days when he was sick, he was dying of cancer. I said, Dad, why don't you stay home? And he looked me in the eye, got very serious, and he said, Mike, are you going to be able to make the mortgage payments for me this month? I was in college. I lost my father when I was 19. I literally carried him off his job his last day at work. He was 57, in part because he worked in the Navy shipyards during the Second World War. He desperately wanted to fight in the war. He wanted to kill Nazis more than he wanted to breathe. But his brother was already in the Army Air Corps because of the Sullivan brothers. Those of you old enough to remember that know that if you were the sole surviving male member of your family, they would not take you. He tried desperately to enlist. They wouldn't take him, so he said, what the hell, I'm a plumber. I'll work in the Navy shipyards. His exposure to those uh, to asbestos and his Chesterfield three-pack-a-day blowtorch habit did him in when he was 57. And then I listened to Mike Bloomberg, the guy who actually commented in an interview that Americans would do the work, but they would want too much money, and he opined. This was back in November last year. This is recent. This is where he is. This is who Mike Bloomberg is, said, well, who's going to cut the grass if we we don't have the immigrants, really meaning illegal aliens? And that's how this debate has been skewed sideways, starting with Jimmy Carter, who mandated that immigration employees stop using the term alien to describe aliens, unless, of course, it's an an acronym for like the DREAM Act. The term alien, by the way, is a legal term under the Immigration and Nationality Act, Section 1101, which is where all the definitions are, The term alien is simply defined as any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. There's no insult there, but there is clarity. So when they say we're going after the immigrants, well, people get emotional. We're a nation of immigrants. What kind of thugs want to get rid of immigrants? And everyone starts to think in their own families. My my mother was an immigrant. My dad's parents were immigrants. My my, my first wife, may she rest in peace, her parents, her brother, they, they came here after the Holocaust. They were immigrants. And the media says, oh, Trump is going to deport the immigrants. I've I've said it before in this program, but it bears repeating after having watched the debates. My wife was working in a synagogue. A woman came to work with her at the shul and said, you know, I'm I'm worried. This is the morning after Trump was elected. And my wife said, what are you upset about? She says, well, the newspaper headline this morning says that Trump is going to deport the immigrants. I have a green card. What am I going to do? My husband's an American. My children are Americans. How in the world can I go back to England? What would I do with my family? And my wife said, you know, calm down. They're talking about illegal aliens. She says, you know, my husband said the same thing, but it's left me very shaken. Are you sure about this? And my wife said, I'm extremely sure. She said, how can you be that sure? She said, so my wife told her, she said, you know, my husband spent 30 years as an immigration agent. And then the woman calmed down. The media is doing this intentionally, stirring the pot, fanning the flames of fear. They're the fear mongers. We admit more than a million lawful immigrants each and every year. That's more than the rest of the world combined. We admit tens of millions of temporary visitors each and every year as tourists, as temporary workers, as foreign students, more than the rest of the world combined. We naturalize hundreds of thousands of new citizens each and every year. Again, more than the rest of the world combined. This isn't an anti-immigrant position. And yet if you listen to the politicians during that debate, um, the question that everybody who wants to be president or mayor or governor or hold any position, I would argue Congress, do you believe that the threat of terrorism has gone away? Because I don't think anyone has sounded the all clear. We've had terror attacks recently in Europe and in the United States. 
So the first question that I would love to ask anybody and everybody on that stage, do you believe that the threat of terrorism has ended? If the answer is no, have you read the 9-11 Commission report and the companion report, 9-11 and terrorist travel? Well, why would I ask that question? Because those reports weren't academic studies. These weren't done uh, kind of like a way to, to figure out what Leonardo da Vinci was up to. Those reports were written at great expense and over a period of time so that the vulnerabilities that facilitated those attacks could be identified and hopefully addressed. When Space Shuttle Challenger exploded, a commission was convened to figure out why it happened so that we would not lose any more space shuttles. When Space Shuttle Columbia disintegrated over the skies of Texas, the same thing happened. A commission was convened. When airliners crashed, the NTSB and the FAA come out and they conduct an investigation. Part of it is a legal issue who has liability uh, and so forth, because undoubtedly there will be lawsuits. But there's a lot more at stake. They come out to figure out if there's a problem so that we don't have more airplanes making more smoking holes in the ground, killing more people. Think about what happened when the uh, Boeing 737 MAX jet crashed, not once but twice. And the greedy uh, CEO of Boeing went nuts because they were going to ground his airplanes and, God forbid, impact the uh, profits of his company. You know, we've become the country that knows the price of everything and the value of absolutely nothing. So the FAA prevailed. President Trump was right. He said they needed to ground that airplane. They did. It's been grounded now for, I don't know, probably over a year. I've lost count. Costing probably by now to everybody has to be a billion dollars, maybe more. Who knows? But why? Because 300 people plus were killed. I think it's the prudent thing until they get their act together to figure out what the hell's going on. On September 11, 2001, 3,000 people, rough figure, were slaughtered. In the years since, many more people have died. We're now losing a person roughly every week to 10 days. The newspaper accounts are there, mostly first responders, firemen, police officers, others who race to the scene. You know, they've They've said that law enforcement people are unusual. We run towards that which rational people run from. And they're dying because they're succumbing to the toxins that they ingested by working down at ground zero. So now God knows what the death count is and tens of billions of dollars of additional money finally allocated to help people with health issues that will start to emerge because we know it's going to happen. It was predicted. But, of course, Christine Todd Whitman, who was the head of the EPA back then, assured everybody that the air was safe. Yeah, the air was safe. We see how safe it was. Her lies, her bullshit, pardon my language. It's really hard to be civil when I think about the lies, the chicanery. It's a how dare you moment. I wind up asking that all the time, how dare you? How dare you? So we had a 9-11 commission that warned us that said that border security is national security. And now you have politicians saying, let's disband immigration law enforcement. There's a bill that's been proposed, the, the New Way Forward Act, that would make it impossible to deport illegal aliens, including criminals and rapists. We're releasing people from jail. Who, supposedly, uh, this was going to be for nonviolent offenders. Well, a couple of days ago in Rockland County, a, a woman, a security guard in her 50s. We're not talking about some macho guy. A library, a library. She was there to just kind of keep everything, you know, orderly. Asked a guy who was frequently a visitor to the library to turn down the radio that he was carrying. And instead of arguing with her, he pulled out a knife and killed her in the library. Well, I did a little bit of digging, and it turns out that this piece of garbage who allegedly killed her, um, had been arrested before and charged with the attempted rape of a woman last year in a hospital. Bail was set at $100,000 because bail normally, and I used to argue bail for the U.S. attorneys when I was the case agent, because bail generally takes two issues and only two issues into account, risk of flight and danger to the community. Well, I'm not sure what the guy's personal story is, but certainly somebody who attempts to rape a woman, number one, is committing or attempting to commit an extremely violent and heinous crime. No two ways about it. And so 
based on that, they were going to set bail at $100,000. But then the new law kicked in, and they released this guy. And now we have a dead woman. This isn't unique. We had another individual, an illegal alien, who tried to beat up his father. They arrested him for assaulting his father. They released him. And then he raped and killed a 92-year-old woman who was minding her own business. We've got to do a better job with the correctional system. I'm a big fan, for example, of the Innocence Project because there are miscarriages of justice, and we need to make certain that no one goes to jail. Uh, you know, what's that old story? We've, I would rather release 10 guilty people than, than imprison one innocent man. But the point is, when will we start to take consideration about innocent people to heart? When will that become an issue for these politicians? I, I have to ask myself, what is their ultimate goal? This whole thing about social justice, um, when, when you're causing people to be killed, is, is lunatic. By the way, before I, I move on, I, I do have to say this about Bloomberg, and, and, and then I, I want to continue on, because I want to talk about comprehensive reform, because we heard this during the debates yesterday or, or Wednesday. And, and it's so important, and that's why I decided to focus on this stuff today. Bloomberg gave an interview, and this was on um, November the 10th, 2019, last year. The website is Irish Central, and he talked about a number of issues, and nobody challenged him. That's the amazing thing. He just got to say what he wanted to say, and no one said, can you back it up? So he, he says this uh, on immigration. We should open the borders, not close them, and you need to open them in tough times more than you need to open them in good times, and government has to lead. And I don't think most of our leaders are willing to do that. Well, why? If you have a shortage of jobs, you know, it was President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was the strongest proponent for immigration law enforcement, because to get America out of the Depression. And by the way, my mother worked for a dress company during the Depression that was so successful that her boss became one of Roosevelt's dollar-a-year men to advise him on how to get the economy going because he was so successful, and he frequently pointed to my mother, who was only in her 20s and had a fourth-grade education, as one of the key reasons, because she was his chief buyer, the head buyer for his fabrics and all his other stuff, and said, you know, she's a very big reason why I'm able to be so successful. My mom, with her fourth-grade education, proving that there's a world of difference between being educated and being intelligent. You know, big difference. So... Roosevelt said we need to enforce the immigration laws. We need to make certain that Americans get the jobs, not foreign workers. We need to protect the wages of American workers. In fact, it was Roosevelt, you may not know this, who started the 40-hour work week, not the unions. He said, look, if you have enough work for somebody that you need for them to work more than 40 hours a week, hire another employee so we get more people working. Makes sense. That's why immigration law enforcement used to be something that the Democrats all agreed on. Bernie Sanders was a big proponent for immigration law enforcement. And he made some other statements that are tr total lies. Uh, I used to be on Lou Dobbs' show all the time when he was at CNN, at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. And, and he says what no one quite understands about the undocumented. No, they're not undocumented. And let's stop using the term um, political correctness, because that just sounds like we're being polite. And I was certainly raised to be polite, and I'm sure you were also. This is Orwellian Newspeak. Alter thoughts by altering language. This is thought control. Thought control. It's not the PC police. It's the thought police. And he says, all the conventional wisdoms of Lou Dobbs, who's done an enormous amount of damage to this country, the undocumented have very low rates of crime. Why? Because they don't want to go near the government. Well, Lou Dobbs, I don't think, did any harm to America. I was happy to be on his program. And low rates of crime, lawful immigrants have a very low rate of crime because they don't want to lose that green card. It means the world to them, and that's understandable. Immigrants, lawful immigrants have lower crime rates than native-born American citizens, believe it or not. Let's deal with reality. However, illegal aliens commit identity theft. The fact that they ran the border is a, is a violation of law. But when I was at DEA intelligence, I did an analysis of arrest statistics to find out who we were arresting at the DEA task force. And understand the DEA, we weren't arresting people for a joint in their pocket. We were talking about tonnage, many kilos, and, and machine guns, and all kinds of violent crimes. My group, the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force, was the group that took down El Chapo Guzman uh, here in, in New York because he turned New York into his hub for activities. Why would you do that? New York has the biggest police department because of the sanctuary policies of New York City. That's why. That's why. So he makes these statements, and no one says, can you back it up? 
In fact, when I was a DEA intel, I was shocked that 60%, 60% of the people we were arresting in New York City for significant drug-related crimes were foreign-born, 60%. But here he says, oh, they don't commit crime. No one challenges them. They don't pay. They, they, they pay taxes. How much taxes? And in fact, if you're making thirty thousand a year, and if you're working on the books, often illegal aliens aren't. But if you claim six, seven, eight dependents, guess what? You get an earned tax credit. Not only don't you pay taxes, but the IRS will mail you a check for your children. And when the children are out of the country, there's no one that goes running around to see if they really have kids out of the country. So they don't pay taxes. Maybe they pay sales tax, and how much is that? And if they do put a child in school, it probably costs 25000 a year to educate a child in public school. And here he says, well, we don't have foreign children in the schools from illegal aliens, the undocumented. Of course we do. That's why the schools are increasingly hiring people who can teach English as a second language. That's your clear evidence. But again, no one challenged Bloomberg. It just goes on and on. And then he says, and the argument that the undocumented take jobs away from Americans is just not true. You cannot get Americans generally to do those jobs. And then he contradicts himself because he's a two-faced liar. I have no toleration for liars, no tolerance for liars. And he says, no, you can say, wait a minute, and pay them more. But if you did that, yes, more Americans would take them, meaning the jobs. So this isn't a matter of the work Americans won't do. It's under what conditions and for what wages, folks. That's used to be the, the, the lifeblood of the Democratic Party to protect the wages of Americans. The unions used to be there. They don't care. The unions will sign anybody up because the more people they sign up, the more political clout they get and the more dues they get. And unions have been on the way out because people realized they were being ripped off by the unions. So now they look to unionize the illegal aliens who are displacing American workers. But then he says this, golf courses couldn't survive if they have high-cost grass cutters. So here is the guy that's worth 60-something billion dollars about his green fees. Uh, I have to tell you. And then that crack about farmers, um, it, it just blows my mind. I was raised by parents who told me that anybody who works for an honest day's work, um, honest day's pay, needed to get my respect. And when I was disrespectful to a busboy in, in a restaurant, long story short, my father grabbed my arm and he said, what do you mean calling him, hey, you? Because I yelled out, hey, you, as the guy walked by. I was a teenager at the time. He said, uh, you know that guy's name. I said, how would I know his name, Dad? He said, his name is Sir. I felt about three inches tall and deservedly. I don't think Mr. Bloomberg had that kind of an upbringing. What do you think? So let's just move on real quickly. Uh, I would argue, by the way, that the mayors of sanctuary cities and the governors of sanctuary states could be prosecuted for depraved indifference. Depraved indifference, let me read a definition. You tell me what you think. To constitute depraved indifference, the defendant, and they use the term defendant because we're now talking about a crime. Depraved indifference is a crime, Okay. To constitute depraved indifference, the defendant's conduct must be so wanton, so deficient in a moral sense of concern, so lacking in regard for the life or lives of others, and so blameworthy as to warrant the same criminal liability as that which the law imposes upon a person who intentionally causes a crime. Depraved indifference focuses on the risk created by the defendant's conduct, not the injuries actually resulting. Sanctuary cities, I would submit, ladies and gentlemen, creates that liability, creates that risk. The most horrible thing to think about, or one of the most horrible, think about how many immigrants come to America at great expense, wait in line, do what they have to do to follow the rule of law and the spirit and letters of the law, in part because they want more opportunities, they want freedom, but they want to escape the crime, the violence of their home countries. And now they come to America and find that the same thugs from which they were fleeing are now here in their neighborhood, still victimizing them, still keeping them awake at night. The victims of ethnic organized crime groups are members of the same ethnicity, not just from Latin America, because crime is not something that just involves one ethnic group. Because human nature is human nature. We all bleed red when we are cut. And every race, every religion, every ethnicity, every culture has the good, the bad, and the ugly. Period. Full stop. 
as an immigration agent, I've arrested people from all over the world, every flavor imaginable, because human nature is human nature. And anybody who thinks otherwise is a damn fool. So just something to think about. Depraved indifference as a way of describing these nitwits that are costing lots of people their lives. And that's something that's very, very important to understand. Um, so understand what the New Way Forward Act is. And, and now you also had uh, Mayor Pete. Wow. I, I, you know, it was stunning to me. He tried to raise the issue. Oh, by the way, before I, I go on to Pete, I, I just have to say this. Uh, BuzzFeed had an article about um, Bernie Sanders. And so they make this point. They say, well, Bernie Sanders joined the Senate. He and his allies in the labor movement took on a big target, a new comprehensive immigration reform bill. By the way, I gave it a new name. I called it the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act. Senator Sessions at the time liked what I said so much that he quoted me from the floor of the U.S. Senate on three separate days during the floor debate. And when the bill was defeated, sent me a very nice certificate saying that it was his belief that his ability to use my words enabled him to convince enough of his colleagues to vote down dangerous legislation. Now, why did I call it that? Because what no one will tell you in the mainstream media is that if you were to legalize all these millions of aliens, there would be no way to interview them in person. There would be no way to conduct any field investigations, you see. And the 9-11 Commission talked about how Terrorists were using every means possible, specifically visa fraud and immigration fraud, to enter the country, whether it was just temporary workers, um, which, by the way, DACA is, think about that, uh, or, or any other way, claiming political asylum, which is how we've had terrorists after terrorists enter the United States, uh, coming here as refugees. In fact, uh, in Arizona, the FBI and Homeland Security agents, that is to say ICE agents, arrested an individual wanted in Iraq for killing two police officers. It's believed that he was a leader of al-Qaeda in Iraq, and he had entered the United States more than 10 years ago by falsely claiming political asylum. Again, I'm a big fan of asylum. You know, my family was decimated in the Holocaust. When I was a B'nai B'rith president, I went to Washington at the time that LBJ was in the Oval Office, Lyndon Johnson. I hate to admit, again, how ancient I am. But we were there to support this notion of getting Russia to allow people to leave Russia if they were being... Um, kept from practicing their religion. Uh, I was very proud to be part of that. And we said, you know, you got to get the Russians to let these people go. And as an immigration inspector, I was thrilled to admit refugees because none of the people coming in were likely to blow us up. Today, if you look at the 9-11 Commission findings, and that's something every politician should be required to read from cover to cover, political asylum, false claims, all that stuff, figured in the strategy of the terrorists who attacked us. The amnesty that Reagan provided enabled Mahmoud Abu Alima, one of the ringleaders, the bombing of the Trade Center in 93 that killed six people, injured over 1,000, and inflicted more than a half billion in damage to the towers, uh, came in and, and then claimed asylum and then finally uh, applied for amnesty as an agricultural worker. But the only thing he ever planted was a bomb in the garage of the World Trade Center. He was driving a cab in New York, not working on a farm the way he lied in his application in Florida. This is about protecting Americans. But now we're being told that what they want to do, the Democrats, is comprehensive immigration reform. Well, I told you, I, I came to call it the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act. But also, today, I would call it the Overwhelm America Act. We've been told that there's about 11 million illegal aliens living in the United States. And then some universities did a study and said, no, there might be 20, 22, 23, I forget what the number was. I would argue maybe there's 30 or 40 million. But if we pass comprehensive reform, guess what happens? And this is the number no one's talking about. You know, when Ronald Reagan said that we were going to uh, give lawful status to roughly a million illegal aliens, we wound up with almost four million, between three and a half and four million. Some of them, maybe there was an undercount, but some of them may have entered the United States after the cutoff date and then claimed they were here for the required period of time. But that doesn't get discussed when you look at the mainstream media. And I don't care what channel you want to watch, if they're talking about the issue at all. Well, you know, if the person's been living here for the last eight years and they haven't been arrested, they're obviously okay to stay here. Well, wait a minute. How do you know they've been living here for eight years? There's no way to do these interviews. There's no way 
to do a field investigation. You know, maybe you'll investigate one case out of 100,000. I mean, you're talking about the potential for, for 20, 30 million applications. You can't scrutinize them that way. Yes, if you had 100 applications, you go out, you knock on doors, you show the photograph, you interview people. I know I did the work. I did the work. But when you're dealing with millions of applications, DACA, which was a fraud, you know, the DREAM Act, by the way, covered aliens up to age 35. Everyone doesn't realize that. They think children. All they had to do was claim. The alien had to claim to have entered prior to their 16th birthday. But without the capacity to interview them or do field investigations, what's to prevent an alien who entered the United States yesterday from claiming he's been here for the last 12 years, for argument's sake? Nothing. Nothing. There's over 95% approval rate for DACA. And when President Obama said Congress failed to act, that was a bald-faced lie. Congress did act. They voted no against the DREAM Act. They voted no against comprehensive reform. Look at the Constitution. That's an that's acting. That's acting. The parent who tells the child, no, you can't go to the movies until you do your homework, isn't failing to act. They're not acting the way the kid wants. But when Congress said, no, that's not a failure to act. You see? And by the way, this unwillingness to make a clear distinction between lawful immigrants and illegal aliens undermines lawful immigrants because everyone now looks askance at someone who says he's an immigrant. They think, oh, another guy who ran the border. And that's not the only way illegal aliens come to America. Nearly half of all illegal aliens enter with visas and then violate the terms of their admission, or they enter under the visa waiver program and disappear. And why in the world we still have a visa waiver program is a demonstration of how corrupt and morally bankrupt our government is. On 9-11, we had 26 visa waiver countries. Today, we have 39. Unfortunately, President Trump saw fit to make Poland the 39th country on that list. Why in the world he did that, I don't know. Very upsetting, though. And, and, and you know, if you look at what the 9-11 Commission warned about, um, I, I, I just want to read this to you. This is from the preface of the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. This is how it begins out. It sets forth the premise of that entire report. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they're unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe for reasons we discussed in the following pages that it must be made one. And then it goes on and makes the point um, here, here's a good one Once terrorists had entered the United States Their next challenge was to find a way to remain here Their primary method was immigration fraud Now, how do you commit fraud? You lie on the application And if we're not able to figure out what the lies are How do we address immigration fraud with no agents? We have 6,000 ICE agents And more than half of them aren't doing immigration work So maybe we have the equivalent of 2,500 immigration agents Put that in perspective we have 45,000 people at TSA, 38,000 cops for the city of New York, and the military has 1.3 million full-time members. But we have about 2,500 ICE agents. Why? Because the ICE agents would find the crooked employers who hire the illegal aliens. The ICE agents would find the crooked lawyers who are arranging marriage fraud and committing visa fraud and so forth. And you have politicians now saying, let's eliminate immigration law enforcement. And you need the agents, by the way, to, to look into the fraud. By the way, here's something else. This was page 61 of that report, exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there's evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connection to fraudulent document vendors and corrupt government officials, human smugglers clearly have the credentials, and quotes, necessary to aid terrorist travel. Identity documents are a big deal. And so now you have states giving driver's licenses to aliens who can't prove who the hell they are. And we don't see airplanes being used as part of terror attacks, but we sure as hell are seeing lots of motor vehicles and trucks being used that way. And with a driver's license, an alien can rent a truck or a car and use it as part of an attack 
We saw that in the 93 bombing of the World Trade Center. The two illegal aliens who had violated their visas rented the truck and then filled it with explosives and parked it in the garage of the World Trade Center. Their goal was to bring the tower down sideways. And one of the co-conspirators said they had planned to kill 250,000 people. And I've spoken to engineers who said that they just might have succeeded if the bomb had been parked against the other wall or if they had the money to finish filling the explosives up to the very top of the truck, which they did not do, fortunately for us. That's what we're talking about. But does anyone even ask these politicians from the Red to 9-11 Commission report? And they keep saying, we're going to give you free health care, and we're going to give you better jobs and more money. If you flood America with huge numbers of workers, you displace workers who are already here, and you drive down wages. Labor is a commodity. Supply and demand kick in. And in in fact, Mayor de Blasio was saying that we need to allow people to rent out garages and basements and sheds in their backyard. This is New York we're talking about, not the third world, folks. You look at the homelessness around the United States. Why do you think we have it? Because we're overwhelmed with more people looking for more apartments, driving up the price of real estate, but the flood of workers is suppressing wages. And even high-tech workers are losing their jobs to people from India, thanks to the H-1B visa program, of which Mr. Bob Goodlatte, the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, was a huge proponent. We had a 30-minute discussion, call it an argument, if you will, over the issue of the H-1B visas. We have lots of talented Americans. Why are we displacing them with people from India? Because there's gold to be found in them, our hills. The lawyers are making out money like a bandit, and the companies are saving money by getting rid of Americans. See, comprehensive immigration reform is not designed to get aliens out of the shadows. There's no money for more ICE agents. Comprehensive reform is designed to push aliens into the waiting rooms of immigration law firms, and you can find immigration attorneys on both sides of the political aisle. Zoe Lofgren now chairs the House Immigration Subcommittee. She is a Democrat and is a member of the American Immigration Lawyers Association. This is an employment program for immigration lawyers. And the hell with Americans. The hell with Americans. So here's my question for you. With all these lowball numbers, oh, there's 11 million, and you think, well, heck, we have 330, 340 million. Yeah, we could, we could deal with 11 million. Well, then we find out that maybe the number is closer to 30 million, 40 million. What about that? But here's the dirty secret, and this is what I wrote about in in, in my promo for my program today. First of all, nobody knows how many aliens came to America once their family members were given amnesty under the Reagan amnesty. We know the Reagan amnesty involved about three and a half million aliens. The question that I have that no one has ever answered, never answered, is how many more people were brought to America by the three and a half million who were legalized? Because what this really means is that once you give lawful status to somebody, they immediately have the right to petition the government to permit their spouses and all of their minor children to come to America literally overnight, family reunification. If we were to legalize 40 million aliens or 30 million aliens, which is not improbable or impossible, imagine that on average they each are married, some won't be, And they each, on average, let's say, have two children, because some will have eight children, nine children, and some will have no children. So I'm just throwing numbers around, okay? But just to play that game, let's say, on average, each of those 30 million petitioned to three more. We're talking 90 million people. We are approaching 100 million people. That's almost a third of our current population. How devastating would that be to America on so many levels? The massive influx of tens of millions of students. And the students today no longer uh, are getting the quality education they should be getting in many communities because schools are overcrowded, their budgets are exploding. So we're going to flood America with all those kids. Hospitals aren't adequate to care for them. The infrastructure of our cities can't cope. Our power grid might not even have enough power. Buses and trains are overwhelmed already. The infrastructure of the United States is crumbling to the breaking point. And if the Democrats have their way, 
and there, there's enough Republicans on the side with them. Believe me, there are, because this is a delivery system. Everyone wants this, except President Trump is the only one standing up against the madness. If you pass comprehensive reform, you could be looking at this influx of close to 100 million people. 100 million. The economy would be devastated. Inflation would go through the roof because you'd have so many more people running to the store to buy food and clothing and, and, and whatever else they need. This could lead to the destruction of the United States, and don't think it's not possible. I'm not trying to be a, a fear monger, but Venezuela used to be the wealthiest country in all of Latin America. Where is it today? It is now the poorest country in all of Latin America because the communists took control of the country, a totalitarian communist. And when they asked Mayor Bloomberg about the kind of government that they have in China, Bloomberg said, well, it's not really a dictatorship. They said, well, they're communists. Well, but they have to, they have to listen to their people. If the people want clean air, it turns out that Bloomberg has lots of investments in China. And he actually admitted during an interview that Bloomberg News tends to tilt the news in a direction that doesn't antagonize the Chinese government. In other words, he's become a propaganda arm for the government of Beijing. And this is the man who wants to be the next president of the United States. The lunacy of Mayor Pete Buttigieg saying that He's given municipal identity documents to illegal aliens, undermines national security. Driver's license, undermine national security. And these folks don't care. Depraved indifference, you see. I think you can make a strong case that they're demonstrating depraved indifference. Nobody should be able to walk into that Oval Office without having read from cover to cover the 9-11 Commission report and the companion document, 9-11 and terrorist travel. We're living in a very dangerous era. We're being confronted by Iran and by Russia, by China, by the drug cartels, by the threat of terrorism, which has not gone away. You know, in the Wild West, when, they, when the settlers were under attack, they would say, circle the wagons. In other words, let's make a secure perimeter. On Star Trek, who could forget Captain Kirk commanding shields up? Shields up, we're being attacked. We are being attacked. Make no mistake about it. From so many different directions. And these nincompoops are suggesting that we end immigration law enforcement, end border security, and take down our shields. You can only take that position if you want America to be destroyed or if you're suffering from mental illness. It's not xenophobia to be careful that you don't let people into your house that want to hurt you. You're not being antisocial if you lock your doors at night. And a border wall, by the way, is not designed to stop anybody from entering the United States, believe it or not. You know, this wall of hate. That wall is not designed to stop anybody, and I agree with the need to build it. A wall by itself, by the way, won't solve the immigration crisis. I compare the, wing, the, the wall on the border to a wing on an airplane. Without the wing, the airplane doesn't fly, but the wing by itself goes nowhere. We need to remember that we're a country of 50 border states. But that wall is only designed to do one thing and one thing only, funnel all traffic through ports of entry. That's it. Nobody would get on an airplane if they saw people sneak past the TSA. I, I don't think you would do that, would you, folks? If you have half a brain, you see people sneak past TSA. I don't know about you. I'm not getting on the plane. As I asked when I was on Fox and Friends First not that long ago, if no rational person would be willing to get on an airplane if they saw fellow passengers sneaking past the screening process conducted by TSA, why is it that as Americans we're being forced to live among millions of illegal aliens who evaded a very similar and equally important vetting process conducted at ports of entry by Customs and Border Protection. Those are the questions that those so-called journalists should have been asking those candidates at that debate last Wednesday. But, of course, that's not going to happen because they themselves are in on it. They have joined the globalist mentality that has the potential to destroy the United States, uh, and we need to be intelligent about what we're doing. Please have these discussions with your neighbors and friends. Let's be as concerned, at least as concerned about the First Amendment as some folks are being about the Second Amendment. Remember, folks, democracy is not a spectator sport. We need to practice it each and every day. We need to understand that our neighbors who disagree with us aren't our adversaries, but our allies 
if only we could win them over by having a discussion that's based on facts and the truth. And after all, there is only one version of the truth. Have a great weekend, everybody. I thank you for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you again right here next week at the at uh, the Michael Cutler Hour. Please check out my articles at frontpagemag.com and also at dennismichaellynch.com, Team DML. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.